0: Well, welcome, oh listener, to another episode of Spam, 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 Humbug. This is episode, what episode number is this? This is episode 147 of the podcast, and it's, there's some oddities to this episode, as you've kind of come to expect from us. Mostly because I was actually not at home when I recorded, I was outside of my house attempting To uh, effect some repairs on one of my vehicles, which had broken down. And I thought at the time that I had maybe um, tripped the immobilizer system on it, which was preventing the ignition from actually turning over and starting the engine. Uh, Turns out the problem was other. We don't get into what other means in the episode of the podcast because, of course, this was recorded while I was still attempting to troubleshoot. But uh, that's the reason that my audio for the rest of the episode sounds tinny, distant, and, you know, like I'm. Phoning it in because I literally was using a Bluetooth headset with my phone. We talk for a little while about um, Genshin Impact and Among Us, and you know, some uh, there's some comparisons made between like Genshin Impact and Honkai Impact. Genshin Impact, if you haven't heard, is uh what's the company's name? MiHoYo, I think. Takotaku saved the world. That's their tagline. This Chinese-based game development company, and Genshin Impact has garnered a lot of comparisons to like Breath of the Wild. Uh, the Legend of Zelda game for Nintendo Switch. It looks awesome. It plays really, really well, and it's cross-platform for the most part. You can play it on mobile. You can play it on PC. You can play it on. I think it's on Xbox. It is on PlayStation as well. But of course, PlayStation and crossplay. Yeah, they don't usually get along. Um, But Golem Dragon's been playing it for a bit, so we get a really good summary of what streaming the game has been like and what you know responses to the game have been like and generally seem to have been very very favorable as well and i talk about some other games as well like like i say among us stardew valley we get on to shroud of the avatar for a little bit thanks computer um we talk about wow and in particular the shadowlands expansion which i guess is still in beta we talk about physical games like mafia and werewolf and like you know how my scouts play them versus some of the different ways that uh other people on the conversation have talked about them too um <clears throat> Clortos is back and gives a little mini review of Outward again for Golem Dragon's sake for the most part. We get in a few digs at EA, or we comment rather on, on some of the digs at EA in Ultima 7, which leads to sort of a wider conversation about like, um, you know, the development of Ultima 9 and how a lot of the stories that we heard about what things were like working under EA from Richard Garriott and others turned out to be mm, distortions would be, I think, the kindest word I could maybe use for them. As more and more evidence came to light, you know, we have this narrative of Origin Systems being this plucky little company that EA bought and crushed, and then over the years, we've gotten all of these stories of what was actually going on behind the scenes at Origin, and all of a sudden, you know, EA's imposition of things like development deadlines started to make a little more sense, and then a lot more sense. We talk about that at some length, and then we get on to Star Wars, and it's actually pretty much Star Wars all through to the end of the episode after that, so uh, if you like Star Wars, there you go of course, we are still hosted on Anchor.fm, a little bit more social podcast hosting platform. You can find us at anchor.fm slash ssshpodcast or at spam 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 humbug.com. And we are also on Patreon, patreon.com slash Ultima Codex, if you would like to join that particular crew of backers. That is sort of a combined way of supporting both the podcast and and the Codex. And we would like to thank, as always, everyone who does so by that means, and especially a hearty thank you to our co-producers, Seth, Goldenflame, Chris, Dominic, Violation, Hellgruff, Gronk, and Pascal. All right, that's enough from me. Please do consider sharing our episodes with your social media circles. I've been seeing a real uptick in listens lately, so thank you for doing that, those of you who have been. Let's get on with the show.
1: I am out of the house.
2: What's going on? What has you the house?
1: I am attempting to bypass the security controls on my own vehicle. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Did you lock your keys in a car?
1: No, worse. <laughs> I have the keys and they work just fine. <laughs> but something I, okay. So we went to the Edmonton corn maze uh, on the weekend, on Saturday. Okay. Um, Beautiful fall day. The corn maze is good and fun. Oh yeah, 100%. And yeah, last time I was there was in 2017. That's when Anthem was the theme. Okay. It was like by You know, they actually had like I think they had one of the one of the mecca or one of the, the the you know like the the maze was done kind of in the shape of one of the suits and was like the BioWare logo and it was great. That was 2017. This year it was kind of more like a, you know a stronger together. I think was the message. You know, sort of rah rah Alberta quarantine, lockdown, blah, blah, blah. Um, so anyways, tip the kids out to the corn maze. Great. <sighs> a few hours later, we're all done the corn maze and all the other amenities that are there. Because um, it's kind of got like a little farmer's market or whatever else. But I head back to the vehicle a little bit early with my son, who's feeling being three and having just blitzed through it. I mean, like, he was running. Uh, just having blitzed through the entirety of the corn maze. Twice. Um... <laughs> He was pretty shagged out. He's like, Dad, I want to go to the car. Okay, fine, we'll go to the car. Take him back to the car, open the car, turn the car on. Evidently, this was the wrong order of events. It had been sitting out in the sun. I just wanted it to cool down. But in his little three-year-old brain, this was the wrong order of events. He got quite upset. So whatever, turn the car off, load him into the car. And then I actually thought I had turned the car back on. But I don't know if I did. Maybe I just had it sitting in accessory mode for a while. (laughs) Regardless, when I did, in fact, attempt to start the car, um, because I turned it off again, and then when I attempted to start it, it would not start. All right, cool, well, maybe it's the battery. Uh, But no, when I turn it on to accessory mode, everything lights up, and I can see the battery still has sufficient voltage. Okay, well, maybe it's something else. And so I start ripping through all the manual, and I start looking up what all the different warning lights mean. And basically, and most vehicles have this. On GM, it's called pass key. Um, but most vehicles nowadays have like an anti-hot-wiring system, right? Whereby uh, they, I guess. So I guess the way, it, I guess the way it works, I don't entirely know. Is uh, <clears throat> like basically it's it's basically like a last ditch interrupt between um the the basically what it does is it it's like a little interrupt between um between the battery and the rest of the car and the idea is it's supposed to prevent theft by like hot wiring for example um the car can draw power in accessory mode. The battery is in otherwise good working order. But if you actually try and turn the engine over, it gives you no power. And that was literally what was happening is, you know, I would try and turn to ignite and everything would just drop. like just stone dead. Um, and there's a little icon on the dash, which is basically like a car with a lock through it. So, okay. Seems I have done something to Next piss favorite. off pass key.
3: Yeah,
1: Uh, and like the way it's supposed to—it's normally supposed to activate the moment I pull the key out of the ignition, and then it's supposed to deactivate when the key goes into the ignition. Interesting. Yeah, like it's—it's all meant to be very seamless from the user's perspective, but for whatever reason, something I did really cheesed it off. And blame the kid. It's all his. Well, you know what though. In talking through this, I think I may have actually solved what the issue is. But, um, so right now, like it's, we, we had to get it towed. Uh, so we got it towed to the service shop that's kind of just across town from, from home. It's where we usually take it if it needs anything anyways. So it's there and uh, kids have all gone to bed. <laughs> so I am back at the shop. And I'm attempting to, I started searching around for, and of course, obviously, you know, GM is pretty cagey about like, oh yeah, here's totally how you circumvent our security system to not jack your own car. Yeah, no, they don't exactly publish that, but Googling around, calling around to a few dealerships, um, I've amassed a list of potential procedures that I could try. And... As near as I can tell, none of them involve animal sacrifice, but some come close. Will any of
3: them, <clears throat> them potentially leave you even more bricked than you are now, though?
1: No, uh, it okay, seems good. not. That's important. But, yes. But in talking through all of this, the one possibility... So everything about the Passkey 3 system is actually tied to... Like, there is a sensor in the car, but the business end of Passkey 3 is actually in the key. And I wonder... Just talking through all of this now, if maybe um, if I didn't actually start the car that second time like I thought I had, if it was just sitting in accessory mode. Well, that's actually if you leave it in accessory mode long enough, I wonder if that sort of blanked out the programming and made the car not recognize the key. Because in theory, to program a new key, there's this very arcane procedure where you have to turn the car on, but not ignition for 10 minutes, then turn it off. Wait 30 seconds, turn it on, not ignition, wait for 10 minutes, then turn it off, then turn it on, wait for 10 minutes, and it should be able to program the key. So maybe that's what I did. Maybe I just...
3: Maybe you somehow duplicated this very arcane ritual by accident?
1: (laughs) Yeah, or just, yeah, maybe you leave it sitting in the accessory too long and it's just like, I don't know what that key is anymore. Dumps its memory. Bug in the system that I've inadvertently identified, maybe, I don't know. So at any rate in a few minutes here at any rate i should be able to uh go back and have another attempt at getting in well i can get into the vehicle it's just getting it to start up that's the trick so that's how my night's going and that's why i'm that's why i've got the old plantronics headset out of the box and i'm connecting you know via bluetooth over lte from just kind of off downtown
3: (laughs) it happens
2: it's not the first time one of us is connected while on the road or away from home?
3: At least it's a quiet night. He's about seven interface layers in to make this work. (laughs) And yet, it's mostly effortless. Oh, sure. Once you've got all the wiring sorted, yeah, you're you're fine.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah. Or in this case, I don't really even have wires.
3: (laughs) It was uh, not my best analogy, but, you know...
1: (laughs) I do have a pair of pliers, though, because if this procedure doesn't work, the next thing I'm doing is pulling out the alarm fuse.
2: Yeah, that always is an option.
1: Yeah,
3: well,
2: we'll see. This, this cannot
3: possibly go wrong. <laughs> I have spares yeah. somewhere.
2: If at first you don't succeed, keep trying until you finally break it, and then just replace it and be done. Well, that's why it's parked outside the shop.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's that's what that's what we call you, you bricked it trying to fix it. <laughs> yeah well i mean like the worst solution path you usually want to avoid
1: i mean so i guess to come back to that question there's not really much i can do to make it worse but blowing a fuse i guess would end the night right there because if the alarm fuse is blown then it's not going to start regardless
2: nope but like i say i have some spare fuses here so well that certainly makes your weekend a lot more
3: interesting so so you basically just have to hope that your system doesn't refuse your refuse (laughs)
1: <laughs> exactly there you go uh, yeah so that's how that's going but whatever it's uh, if I wasn't talking to you guys I'd probably be um, checking out that new mobile game that for whatever reason has been lighting up like god even Destructoid had an article about it
3: which uh, one is this
1: well okay oh, so Among Us. no well no well okay Among Us is fun too um, but I'm talking about Genshin Impact oh I've been playing that oh you
2: have how is that yes um so to preface this Sophia narwitz played it on stream and she and i have always had some very good interactions and she's one of the few game journalists out there that do a really good job always in my opinion and i've been playing on it and it's got decent voice acting the free-to-play aspect isn't terrible like it doesn't feel like forced to spend money ever and some of the characters you get just playing the story and unlock are actually kind of fun. Nice. And it's actually a rather reasonably fun game. And the fact you can have cross play be- and cross save between mobile and PC is especially nice. I really oh, like cross that. cross play. I could care less you about can. but cross save.
3: Yeah, You've you you got can my attention. Addic- you can feed your addiction on either. platform. Oh
2: yes. The cross save is amazing. And everyone who can play it on PlayStation is fucked because Sony Will not let them use the cross-save. It is terrible for them. Yeah, it's also on PC, I think, right? Yes. I have the PC uh, installer on my computer, and I installed it Thursday night and played it a bunch. Played it a bunch today. Uh, right. Played it a bunch Saturday as well. I'm definitely looking forward to it, to keep trying to go through and finish the story. It is surprisingly fun. For just an action-adventure game, it's surprisingly interesting. You can definitely tell it's Asian developers, but. Yeah. Well, that's good, though, because,
1: like, I remember, and this was some time ago, but eh, maybe not that long ago, I guess, in relative terms for the podcast, but a while back, um, Drax had mentioned Hunkai Impact, the third, which is, I guess, by the same company. It's not as open world, and it's much more action driven. And you know, for Harmony Dragon's interest, I suppose it's also much more um, <laughs> waifu friendly, but or waifu centric. But uh, from what I gather, um, you know, like Genshin Impact is is the same developers. I don't know if it's the same team or if it's like a huge studio. But from like I was looking at the two games on the App Store today, and you know, like I mean, visually I can definitely see the parallels. Of the design, like some of the design choices are in the combat. Like, I can, like, okay, that looks, but you know, whereas Honkai Impact is again much more of like an actioner and it's level based, as far as I understand. Um, you know, Genshin is you have adventure
2: um, level and you have character levels, and you're leveling both. And it's oh, and your weapons also level up. Oh, yeah, the open world's fun too because as you explore, there's random chests around, there's all the items for crafting, the cooking's a lot of fun. Like, it and feels I was that, like an Asian MMO, but it doesn't actually have, it isn't actually an MMO, though. Yeah. See, and I was,
1: I was reading a thing at Forbes. I think it was Forbes, or maybe it was Destructoid. I have it saved in Paper, regardless, um, where it was talking about how, like, one thing not to miss with the game is, um, I guess there's, like, an Adventurer's Guild, and uh, they will give you, like, daily... Quests?
2: Quests. And, you know, like, sort of kind of complete those. (laughs) Yep. And even the dungeons are fun to do. Like, it's actually a rather enjoyable game. There are some games as of late that I've tried that were pretty terrible. Hmm. But with Wasteland 3 and that and Monster Hunter Worlds, I've gotten some nice, really good games for just single-player action, which has been kind of nice. I know you can do multi- or, like, co-op with Genshin, from what it sounds like, but I haven't tried that at all. I should hmm. probably bug one of the people I know that plays it, but it's so satisfying as a single-player game. I feel like it's kind of a waste. <laughs> of to
1: go yeah, the- Why would I even play multiplayer in this? I'm having too much fun on my own.
2: Yeah, it's it's perfect for Serger in that way. It's like, no, here, just play it single-player.
1: You know, in many ways, that would probably be what would happen if, you know, um, Reckoning ever did have or ever had been given a multiplayer mode. Yeah, uh, I probably would have just played it single player, anyways.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it's just it's it's fascinating to kind of go through it. And the story's kind of fun. And I don't know, it was one that surprised me because when Sophia played it on stream, she had just kind of run around and done some of the like early stuff, but she didn't do any of the story. And we had like two dozen of us just sitting there watching, kind of being surprised at a free to play game with a gotcha system didn't actually feel like you had to be spending money. And most gotcha games, that's literally what they do is you feel obligated to spend lots of money to get the best characters.
4: So what you're saying is that a golem found a unicorn.
2: Well, I didn't even find it. I only started getting into it because of that friend.
4: What game are we talking about? Genshin impact. Um, I
1: started noticing a bunch of articles about it. So just on a whim, I picked it up and apparently it's kind of like a breath of the wild, like, um, asian mmo but single player with rather permissive and decent free-to-play
2: i can play it on stream or i can stream it in discord sometime if people want to see it
4: having played literally dozens of free-to-play mmos i can tell you the cash shops from the gamut from everything from being very permissive and decent to the game basically just being a money mill
1: yes well we've seen those before too but uh yeah, from what I gather, this one is not that. So that's all right.
2: Yeah, it looks like the multiplayer option is Adventure Rank 16, and it's basically just an online co-op mode. Ah,
4: hmm. not bad.
2: But it kind of feels, the world kind of feels like what you typically expect from like a Korean MMO, which is the kind of fun part, because I've played a lot of Korean MMOs.
4: I have burnt so much time into Mabinogi back in my day.
2: But at the same time, it's it has got definitely has the Breath of the Wild feel too, which is... Very satisfying. Some of the monsters are actually kind of cute. The dragon that you see early on in the game actually looks like a really cool dragon. We had Fall Guys come out. Then we had Among Us completely take away all the speed that Fall Guys was having. And I've been streaming Among Us a lot and playing with I put, let's see, let me calculate the hours here. I've put approximately 110 hours already into Among Us if you count both mobile and PC versions combined. And Genshin, I've already put like, eight hours into it and it's a lot of fun and that's sucking all the single player people that are kind of sick of among us already. (laughs) It's just kind of hilarious how we just go from one to the next to the next. And the coolest part is like, they're not expensive games. They're really reasonably priced or even free and they're just killing it. It's kind of nice to see these, you know, big AAA games kind of just be like, eh, no one cares. We're all going to wait for cyberpunk. We're going to play all these indie games and just kind of ignore everyone else.
3: I have found something tangentially related uh, and, uh, and mildly amusing that I've tossed into the screenshots section.
1: Oh, what did you bestow upon us
2: here?
3: A gift. <laughs> uh, no, there's an
1: indie game that was of a terrible. hellgriff bearing gift.
3: Come now. It's g-
2: shrouded. For those who don't see it, it's the shroud of the avatar meme that he made. <laughs>
3: Oh, that's terrible! Uh, I mean, I, I I avoid I avoided mentioning specific people by name because you know I I don't feel like dealing with the rage fallout. But you know, I I can't say I didn't think of it. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a, a clever good, one. You get kudos that's almost
1: for that. that's almost episode art right there. I'm thinking about that one now. <laughs> <sighs> but no, yeah, that's, I said I was going to Another
2: fascinating out. situation the industry's in, but and I kind of enjoy the fact that it's an Asian one. But like Fall Guys is a UK developer. Among Us is just this tiny group of three guys that are all kind of cool dudes. I mean, even Among Us, they've even dropped doing a sequel, and they're just going to upgrade and recode some of the first game and expand it because it's grown so huge. I can't think of many developers where they've literally canceled the sequel just to expand the original. Well,
1: yeah, I guess maybe Origin.
2: Yeah, that might be one.
5: The the Stardew Valley guy like specifically said I'm not going to do a sequel. I'm just going to keep working on this game because I love it.
2: I right. I forgot about that.
5: It's a great game. I love. He it. added
2: multiplayer to it because of how much it grew. Well, there we go. Two good indie games. Very simple art styles. Yeah. Coincidentally, streaming's what made them big.
5: Now you know what if what if the plans for Soda had worked out where where we would be like playing on mobile and on PC. That would be an interesting day would be and it's very obvious it's very <laughs> obvious in the early uh proof art i've been looking at a few of those early videos and it's very clear they were aiming on some sort of mobile uh capability
2: well i think with that proof of concept video they did that looked very much like graphics that would be easily done on mobile mm-hmm. with that dragon the little um lightning shield and all that like that looks like a mobile
5: yeah
1: well, it, probably because it grew out of the ultimate r p g concept work, right, which was strictly speaking not mobile, you know that was targeting a Facebook game, but these days that's kind of a distinction with almost no difference
5: you know uh you know that dead horse that's hanging from the pole from the road to front from Britain to pause in ultimate nine that's uh that shroud of the avatar
1: no Terry but Terry well. Not you untrue, know. but terrible. <laughs> I'm,
3: I'm, I'm just going to say, if you, wa- if you want to compare Shroud of the Avatar to a sticky, dripping mess, you can.
2: Mm, depends on the sticky, dripping mess.
3: Well, you know, we take dead horses and we make glue out of them. True. So the analogy holds.
4: <laughs> you just have to work at it a little.
3: Free your
4: mind. Not sure if that was about to be Morpheus or Gollum. More, uh, more, 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 like a Kawatu, the Watcher, Total Recall.
5: Ah, uh, so was there a topic?
4: Well,
2: we already kind of covered the Genshin one.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, it, it's more—it's more like we've discussed things. But is there a formal, official topic? I'm kind of doubting.
4: Do we ever stay on topic? Is the question? Well, no, no, we never. We're Drakens. We're
2: never going to stay it. on topic. It's just yeah. the way we are. Yeah,
4: we yeah, we don't, we don't yeah. stay on topic, but every now and then we have a
3: topic. And sometimes it even gets discussed. Like a blog or two ago. Yeah,
2: that was actually nice. It's a rare occasion. It's kind of nice to have it happen.
3: I actually missed that session. <laughs> Coincidence? Who knows? I think not, yeah. Alright.
2: Oh, here's another fun uh, thin game thing. Y'all see what Blizzard decided to actually do?
3: No. Last Are you talking week? about the delay of the expansion or something else?
2: Yes, the delay of the expansion. That was yeah, actually they... kind of
3: nice to see them.
2: After the debacle, that was
3: BFA. Uh, I'll admit BFA didn't... St- I didn't get as hard into BFA as I did the expansion immediately before it, but I didn't have any problems with it either, personally. BFA
2: had some issues at launch that really needed to get fixed. And then we had broken systems like the corruption system that was broken still is to this point.
4: Issues? BFA had subscriptions.
2: Yeah, that was the only thing it actually provided for them. And even then, there's plenty of them dropped at certain moments. Like, even essences didn't work exactly as they should have, although they did fix that a little bit. Um, the Azerite system, they tried to fix it. It's still terrible. They never learned the issue of stuff from, with the artifact system from Legion. But
4: Yeah, that's the whole thing, is the Azerite system personally felt like they took the artifact system from Legion and just gutted out the soul and pieced out little bits here and there for the Azerite system. I
3: mean, ultimately, a weapon growth system is a weapon growth system. There's only so many ways you can dress that horse.
2: The islands were terrible, yet people constantly grinded them. Part of, partly for the collectibles, and that I understand, but even those were just terrible.
4: Even the whole name of the expansion felt like a dodge, because you thought it was going to be this great, over-encompassing world war, and it turns out, it's you're fighting Cthulhu.
3: Well, you know, that's what World of Warcraft falls back on, when they can't think of a better enemy. I mean, Kittun, um yeah. whatever that thing was that uh, was in the water, whose name I can't remember, who was there and then gone and then back again. And there's at least one other one, one other great one that they've trumpeted about for a, a, at length. But I can't even remember the name well, of it.
2: Well, yeah, we've gone, what, we fought three old gods. We had the dealing of the heart of that one back in Mr. Pandaria.
4: And my fiance is getting on her iPad and finger painting the word nerd at me.
3: <laughs> that's true love for right but the fact that she's finger painting it on the iPad kind of implies that she's in that same boat yes
4: yes it does imply that she's in the same boat
2: alright like I said it's love but no it's good to see them make some things there's a lot of balance issues with the beta and so it's one of those things where thankfully they're listening and putting things off and in fact they've done a lot more listening with this particular expansion than they ever did with Before BFA?
4: The bulk of what I know about Shadowlands is from watching Taliesin and Evatol, And what I've...
2: Go ahead. What
4: were these people?
2: I I, I have a bone to pick with him, but that's a whole separate episode.
4: A whole separate episode? Uh, Most of what I've been hearing is that the the, uh, faction-specific powers are not remotely balanced. And they're not
2: really all that unless you have one of the overpowered ones like you can basically perma slow a paladin at one point to the point where you can barely walk and it's like yep i'm done i'm just gonna quit it's not fun to play anymore you can't do anything in pvp you're just you're stuck standing there dying
4: decades of mmos have told you know decades of games in general have taught us if there's one or two uh upgrade paths that are more powerful than the rest that's all anybody will ever play
2: Yeah. And if you look at sort of the, like they wanted one of the things they wanted to avoid specifically was sort of a tier sheet where every, all the different powers are ranked as if they're best in slot, good, moderate, poor, worst. Literally the first thing that happens in beta is that it's the first thing that's created. And they need to just accept reality that a meta is going to exist and stop trying to do this whole, we don't want to allow a meta. It's like, yes, there's going to be people that break it and don't care. And play casually and have fun. But there's always going to be people that try to come up with what's the most optimal meta and trying to fight against that and try to prevent it is sucking the fun out of the game.
4: Exactly. Have they not heard of icy veins DPS charts? Or I think maybe they have because whichever, whichever spec is in the lead seems to fluctuate wildly from patch to patch. Well, yeah. And we have the issues where
2: like certain classes always start off super powerful and it's always the same ones at the start of every expansion. You always have certain ones that always have the worst ones within the first week, they already have to rebalance it again. It's like, can you not, you know, finally learn after all these years to not make these same stupid mistakes.
3: Early balance is a simple problem with, that does not, it does not involve multiple contingencies and layering and all sorts of other issues. But I mean, it's more an all.
2: issue where they, 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 they're they, told they... they're told for months that this is a problem and they just ignore it because they'd rather focus on other stuff.
3: And I that's I think, where the problem lies. I, I have to wonder just how many problems they're hearing about for all these months and whether they have any appreciable way of saying, okay, which of these problems are being complained about are problem problems and which of these problems are just people trying to get us to, 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 get us to give them a, 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 a nice little buff back. And how do you determine that? How readily? Well,
2: most of the complaints have actually been along the lines of not punishing players, taking advantage of systems that are actually fun. Like, for instance, they are doing that one system with um, the different soul binds. And it's like, do you really want to punish players with, you know, how that system works? And they finally listened and made certain big, huge changes with it. But that took three months of people questioning them. Why are we doing it this way? Why do you want it this way? Like, isn't it, wouldn't it be better this way? And finally, Ian, finally, after one interview, finally was just like, you know what, yes, we need to make these changes. And it's like, why didn't your designers think of this in the first place? Do they not, not play the game?
3: And how much of it is at this designer level and how much is the, how much of it is, I mean, do we know what, ex- how, how independent Blizzard still is and how much of this might just be. If Activision is a sufficiently, how should we put this, uh, micromanaging uh, o- overlord? No, well, from what the
2: rumors said, it took a lot for Activision just to give them approval to delay it as little as they did. Wouldn't it surprise me if they weren't, you know, basically losing any and all leverage they had just to push the game off as many weeks as they did. And now I've basically lost any chance to push off certain other things. Like there were certain patches with BFA where they really should have delayed it, but they didn't because Activision's like, nope, this is the day we want to roll it out.
1: What a publisher rushing a release!
2: It's like the exact yeah. We had the discussion about all with EA and certain other ones doing the same thing, and it's like, yep. It's one of the reasons why we're so glad that Cyberpunk's delayed is because CD Projekt Red doesn't want to release a game that's terribly buggy and certain problems exist. Then at launch, that's just going to ruin people's fun and the experience like we want the gameplay to be fun if the gameplay is not fun they're not going to stick around it's not like people play you know world of warcraft necessarily for a deep story the story's not all that deep especially since they do the whole multimedia thing where you get half the story in the game half the story in the books and the videos so a lot of people who play it don't even get half the story
4: hmm
2: They kill y'all no no no, no
4: we're, we're just listening we're playing we An us.
1: awkward pause in the conversation
2: I thought for a minute they were playing Among Us and I just killed everyone. Well, uh, mm, wouldn't no. be the first time I've carried it as an Imposter. Well, right? Well, I have a 97% win rate as Imposter, so
4: Well, yeah, I realized Among good. Us is basically just a video game version of Mafia or Werewolf. Yep, pick your term.
3: Yes, it is it is very like it, that. It,
4: it, I've it, wanted it, to it, maybe it, get it, a dragon
2: it, group together yeah. just to play it for a little bit one night for fun. But then I realized everyone's just going to suspect me and kill me no matter
4: what. Well, here's the thing with you having, you know, a bunch of old grizzled gamers who don't trust a goddamn person playing a game where it's built on trying to figure out how to get people to trust you long enough not to kill you.
3: <laughs> yep.
4: They'll just kill everyone
3: consecutively. Plus, plus, you have the whole issue of you know memorizing where people are going, who
2: is where, when, and whatnot. Memory problems yeah, yeah, when we get older is not this, exactly.
3: The difference between Among Us and straight up Werewolf or Mafia is the fact that yeah, you actually have to like walk. You actually have to like walk around the ship, and you're not always seeing everyone at all times. So you're not just dealing with people's ability to sell you a story. I mean, that's important, but there's more to it. Yeah, I literally was looking on my phone after I killed a
2: body this uh, past pest stream on saturday wasn't paying attention was almost caught by a dear friend and i somehow was able to bullshit my way out of it this imposter
3: impressive
2: selling the a story impressive. is a huge part uh, of it.
3: well yes yeah, selling a story is still the it's still a social deduction game ultimately there's just a couple of extra widget uh, just just a couple of extra technical concerns because of the video because of the whole video aspect of it
2: i still kind of miss mafia but that was a college thing, and I don't like thinking about college. So, so we the first
1: time, and I mean, like, I think that was kind of like post my stint in college. Maybe I don't know, or maybe we just wasn't a thing that we did in the Compi club. I'm not sure, but we introduced the scout group to werewolf at um at our winter camp. You know, before the world went crazy and we couldn't do camps anymore. Um, so we were just killing time around, like you know. Winter camp, and it was fairly cold. Like it was down to about minus 30 at, at nighttime. So we had finished the day's outdoors activities, moved everything indoors. They were just kicking back with some warm drinks and snacks and uh, sitting around like this log, you know, this, wood, this wood-fired stove. And uh, Morgan, who's um, one of the scouters and also a rover herself, um, decided to just up and pull out Mafia from, uh, well, Werewolf, uh, from you know, it's just like hey why don't we play this this sounds like fun so they played around with that and they loved it um, enough that when we had to switch over to virtual meetings um, Morgan spent I don't know who she enlisted from her group of friends to play test this but she spent probably a month working out all of the necessary details to uh, make it engaging and fun to play via Zoom. Okay. And and I know she had done some dry runs because, like, or some test runs because, like, you know, there was no when she ran this for them, there was no like iffiness. there was no like, oh uh, wait, hang on, um, maybe we should do-. no, like, she had it down, and uh, they had a blast with it. Um, I, so
3: yeah, yeah I yeah, you could play these games like literally through online forums, so it it's more like. Play by post, right? So the the time that the like you, you don't have the the people right there seeing them, and the, uh. the time frame shifts somewhat. Like generally, the way the way most of are runs the uh, the the day phase will ra- will last two real life days, and then the night phase usually night phase actions like 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 the wolf kill the scry and all that yeah uh, usually get pro- get processed out over the course of a single day right and then the narrators post the results of what of what all happened so it's definitely doable through an online format that's i mean you could just you could take a skeleton of that adopt it ad- adopt it to zoom, and just figure out the the critical issues of how to how to inform people? Okay, you guys are the werewolves, and I need you to I need you to, I need you and only you to look at your Zoom screens now or something to know who your fellows are. Mm-hmm. Well, the nice thing about Zoom is it has a private chat.
4: Well, that would help. Yes, yeah, that makes sense. I used to play a lot of Mafia as we played it on IRC back in the day, right? And having private chat made it so much easier to notify who was who. I was, I was kind of i'm I'm kind of a
3: little proud of myself for one thing because in the group we were at uh, that 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 us were playing in at the time, there were certain players who had gotten a reputation for being really good, so they tended to get like scried and or killed right away oh yeah what to the That's point the same,
2: problem I have with among us
3: to to the point that the same players would get like scried by both like by like the seer and the devil the first night almost every time so I created a solution which has been adopted by these boards, and I don't know if it's spread beyond them or not. It's literally called Hellgraph's Scry Interference Rule. If multiple people with scrying abilities target the same person the same night, they both get no result. Ah, uh, it is up to the narrator to determine whether or not the, they, are, they are told, failed because of scry interference, or literally no result. Or, or some variant of your scry failed.
4: Well, letting them know it was because somebody else was scrying implies that the person that was being scried is worth scrying again. Yes, but, just,
3: but but if both players that got their scries foiled try the same thing the next night, they still hit each other and they both knock themselves out and they end up wasting their scries. Right. The idea is to get them is to get them to shake the jar and go after other targets, at least initially, to minimize the odds of them wasting their ability. I like it. It's clean and simple. I always like
2: rules like that where it just it's so clean and efficient it just takes care of the problem
4: yeah. I've seen so many different variations of that like some like somebody who's told that they're a you know if they can investigate but there's the specific thing is that their investigation always gives the opposite of what the right answer well, is yeah the are,
3: there's a there's a series of uh, interpretations of a role of a role commonly called the fool that. That basically run that basically run that gamut. Some of them are they always get a wrong reading. Some of them are some of them they get a random reading. So there's a slim but non-zero chance of the accurate, slightly higher if the person they're scrying is just a basic villager, villager just because of the commonality of the role. And usually in games like that, they're they're not told they're the fool. They're told they're the seer. If they scry the actual seer, they scry the seer, and they're told that person's the fool.
4: <laughs>
3: so. Until you can get some way of backing up your data, you're never really certain if you're the seer or the fool.
1: (laughs) Well, that's maybe a little more in-depth than we played it with the scouts, but uh, still, it was popular. That thud you just heard was me uh, closing my hood after popping out the engine control module fuses, so let's see if this thing starts. (laughs) And no.
2: And the great experiment
1: fails. Has failed. I'll bet you anything—it's probably the keys, like the actual key proper.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. that was my gut instinct from the start. It
1: was you managed like to
3: psycho-erase the key.
2: Well, not
1: psycho-erase the key, but evidently I did something to it. So, well, you oh well,
2: you good job.
4: Well, good the try, with, everybody. The trick with <laughs> that is you need to plug the controller into <laughs> the second port so you can't be read. It's, 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 <laughs>
3: we're not—we're not, not dealing with psycho mantis here.
4: Oh, um, that's terrible. It's good, but it's terrible. Uh,
1: yeah. So, well, I guess uh, I guess I'll have to uh, call the service place in the morning and see when they can actually service the darn thing.
3: Dear service, I was uh, I was unable to hotwire my own car. Please help.
1: <laughs> well, almost. But what do you do? I mean, it's you know, it's a good it's a good thing that well, it's a good thing we have a second vehicle. Oh um, well, yeah,
3: that's that that's probably the best thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's a good thing that it's Monday morning tomorrow because that um that give like Monday Friday used to be grocery day sometime along the timeline from March to now Monday became grocery day. Um I don't even remember when that was. It's been a while now. Um you know, March 3 years ago when when March was uh <laughs>
4: And this has been the longest six months I've personally lived. That's for fricking sure.
1: Oh, uh, for damn sure. Um, but anyways, so Monday mornings follow a fairly predictable routine. Um, I roll out of, you know, my daughter rolls out of bed first. Why the almost teenager is the one who gets up the earliest baffles me, but we'll go with it. You know, she's got to get to school first anyway. So it does actually work.
3: yeah um, that- that and um, well, she's not yet hit the point where her teenage energy batteries have have got have gone from supercharged to no to no to no juice.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> um, yeah, or something. I don't know.
4: <laughs> could be worse. I'm reminded of an old skit from Animaniacs: "Katie Kaboom." Oh
5: God.
1: Hey, man, I haven't heard that one in a while.
5: Boy, we're we're dating ourselves, aren't we? <laughs> who we we, are, we already well, were.
4: Not was. really. Animaniacs is making a comeback well. this year.
2: I had heard
5: that. I had heard that. Oh, oh, is it?
2: Supposedly, yeah.
4: Is that what's happening? I haven't seen any animation yet. I mean, you know. I've seen a trailer and that's it. All right. I need
2: to go to bed here shortly, but I just wanted to ask one thing before I head up. I stayed up way too late last night after streaming. And I don't need to do the same thing if I'm going to be up in approximately three and a half hours.
1: Oh, yeah. No, good so, no. Rothbard, how are
2: Rothbard, how have you been enjoying Outward? And have you seen what I basically said was how it should have been what Soda or Soda should have been what that game is? Yeah, that yeah was literally last week's topic. That was Rothbard's
5: yeah, topic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, missed that was my last thing. week.
2: So I was kind of curious. So you did no, see like,
5: that I'm, I'm actually playing it right now, uh, for the first time since we recorded that. And uh at first I was like, what was I doing again? And uh <laughs> then um I'm sort of on, on track. Last time I worked really hard to get a bunch of money to uh, pay off my family's blood debt and get everything cleared with the village. Uh, oh, right, then I was yes. promptly promptly told that uh that nope. Uh, you're, you know, you're going to lose health. everything. Uh, you know, you didn't get it in time, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, but now I have gone to another village of Berg and pledged my fealty to some faction and the faction promised, Hey, we'll take care of your blood debt. And now I'm on my way back to Shierzo because the other oh, piece rich. of news they told me was that, uh, Schierzo is possibly under, under attack by some, uh, coasting, uh, Coast bandits, I guess you'd call them. Yep.
2: Whoops, huh. nope. so you guys heard I did when I so, streamed it. Okay, because I kept playing after I streamed it, but that's as far as I played when I streamed it. So, kind of curious what your reaction was.
3: And... So, so yeah. up upside, down You've cleared your blood debt. On on the downside, everyone you know and love may be under attack by bandits right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> on the
1: plus side, <laughs> maybe if he gets rid of the bandits in an expedient fashion, they'll give him his stuff
2: back.
5: Oh yeah, probably yeah.
2: not, but maybe. Have you died yet in the game? That's the other part.
5: Yes, yes, I have met the uh, I've met the Immaculate.
2: What do you think about having a system like that, where you never actually die, and you always have to run back and get your loot, or sometimes? Well, you, I, you have to what get I said about the that. Zone la- or the original.
5: Very what good. I said about that last time was that I feel like it's very Ultima. Um, I actually, because like you never really, you never really die in most Ultima games, right? Yeah, except for Ultimate Eight. Ultimate Eight, you just die, uh, all but the time. <laughs> all the time and more. Yeah, but like Ultimate Seven. Oh, you you know the whatever the Fellowship people are that find you, and yeah. then Ultimate been- Four, Ultimate Five. Wow.
2: British brings you back. Yep.
5: British brings you back and says, "Be more careful out there."
3: And you know, um, if, if you're fast enough, you can pre you can preempt Elizabeth and Abraham just by casting the help cantrip and get like get yourself insta gibbed
5: back to Lord British's throne room. Oh, okay. Well, that's nice too. Well,
2: good. That makes me happy to hear that you saw the same things I was seeing. So
5: yeah, like I'm I'm very I'm very pleased with it. It's one other thing I really like about it. It does have, you know, you don't have the the arrow telling you where to go, which that's yep. one thing again that they were trying to say oh well, we don't like that with *Shroud of the avatar but then
2: the gorgeous night sky there's actual voice acting
5: you know I, you're saying that in it's night while i'm walking on the way back to shirzo so i'm looking up it, it is very pretty yeah and uh
2: for a small budget yeah it's a really amazing game and so i was hoping that you would enjoy it after recommending it so
5: no i think it's very impressive oh no that bandits
4: uh, oh, nice. On the topic of Ultima 7, though, you, it took me years before I re- made the connection between Elizabeth and Abraham and the Blackrock uh, shapes. And, oh, this is all a giant diggity yay. Yep.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to head out. I will uh, catch you guys later.
4: All yes. right. Have a good night. Have a, have a good one,
3: Golem. Yes, yes. EA destroyed the, ma- the magic of Ultima. Drove people insane,
4: oh
5: man i <laughs> shut the, shut shut shut
3: down shut shut down <laughs> Transportation.
5: you know this is not directly related, but i've I sort of have been offhand on you know on and off again uh checking in on the status of spoony, and uh I don't know, maybe we shouldn't even really talk about that. It's probably a waste of time but uh it's funny because that was his big thing that EA ruined Ultima and i i you know time has kind of told us something different i really think shroud of the avatar that's that's one of the biggest accomplishments of shroud of the avatar is to show me there are two sides to every story
1: yeah i mean to be fair like i even before shroud i had started to and we had started to see this come out but it came out in as with literally everything to do with origin systems, it comes out piecemeal, right? And that's been true of, like, I mean, if you think about, if you think about like the way we learned about Ultima Nine's development, right? We had the final game, and for the longest time, all we had beyond the final game was a handful of here and there comments from the developers and Bob White's summary. And okay, that, you know, so that kind of, you know, having that initially kind of lent itself to, a, um, to the establishment of sort of like a base narrative or a base understanding of what Ultimate Nine was and how its development had gone wrong. And what we've learned since then, or at least what I've learned since then, is that Bob's kind of full of crap and he had a bunch of access to grind and the story going on behind the scenes at Origin was way more complicated than anything that we had access to back in say 99 2000 2001 it's way more complicated than anything we had access to back in the day would have indicated since then we've seen so much more come to light about Ultima 9 and its development and you know some of the different Um, (laughs) the the, the sheer number of times that it was canceled and just everything like that. Um, We've seen all of that come to light. And so now we have a much more nuanced understanding of the game, Uh, including the fact that, you know, hey, some of the more controversial elements of the plot in the final game were present in the base story, the Bob White plot, right? You know, we were so convinced for so long that oh my gosh, it was so much better under the Bob White plot. And no, literally all of the points that everybody was most up in arms about, especially the Avatar Guardian duality or the Raven romance, they were all there right from the get-go.
5: I'll have to say and, the Guardian, the Guardian plotline was sort of my wake-up call about that. That was where I was like, oh, so that was what they were planning all along. Okay. Yeah.
1: And. Like I say, that's kind of a a microcosm, a small example of how, you know, we've gone about understanding and re-understanding and learning about the relationship between EA and Origin, right? We had, helped in no small part by Richard Garriott's own storytelling in this regard, this initial image of EA as the destroyer of worlds, the destroyer of companies, right? That came in and forced their way on the series, and it was, you know... Their repeated insistence on ship or kill deadlines that you know resulted in these buggy and broken games. And in the intervening years, you know, especially starting in like about 2003, which is when I think um, the Escapist published their big thing about uh,
5: the death of yeah, Origin, something like right, that? right,
1: the downfall of yeah. Origin. and you know <laughs> that was a hard read because it was a very complicated it it painted a very complicated picture of you know goings-on at the company where and you read it and you're just like okay like i started at that actually a little bit before then but around then is when i kind of started to sympathize with ea because it's like what a pack of idiots you know you read about some of the shenanigans and just some of the the sheer waste of budget and time and resources seems to be like the routine at origin. Please don't
5: filter, Kenneth. Please let us know your okay. true feelings.
1: Well, I, and I mean like, I love the final products but it just seems that the, the, the way that we got to those final products was so incredibly tumultuous and in many cases, you know, wasteful of resources, of money, of time. You, you, I started to understand It's like, okay, suddenly I get why EA told you, you need to
4: ship the game by this time or we need to move on <laughs> well, the problem is is people don't you know don't like complicated they like they like having someone to blame they like things simple you Now, why do you know I could mention so many different you know re- you know things in real world politics there, but i you know I'd rather us talk about happy things and not in you know not things that are
1: like the downfall man. of origin systems sure, go on So <laughs> you <know>, happy things. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, at the very least, that's that's concerning video games. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think I think one one example that pops in my head. I think uh, for baseline conspiracy theory, it's almost uh, comforting for people to think, oh, well, there's this uh, evil cabal somewhere that's just working out all the all the things and controlling the world, and et cetera, et cetera. And when the reality is, it's probably much more complex than that. I actually listened to. Uh, a podcast a few weeks ago that basically was covering the JFK uh, quote unquote conspiracies. And actually they made a pretty good case for, for the murder of JFK to have been uh, more or less a huge accident that the government actually tried to cover up because they had been so absurdly (laughs) failures at their, at their work of protecting the president. Um, and I'd never thought about that before, but it's like, you know, that's that's much more realistic than the majority of things you hear out there. So, yeah,
3: yeah we uh, covered it up because it made us look bad. <laughs> and we don't I mean, like why wouldn't bad they
4: and possibly <laughs> losing our jobs and stuff. Government covering up things that make them look bad is common. Me lie. Full stop.
1: Oh, hell, not even government companies do it, too. Yeah.
4: <laughs> but on the topic <laughs> of kind form, of a human instinct yeah that uh, Coming back to origin that, 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 that virtual yeah, yeah. Almost, yeah, seems doesn't see seems to get a short shift a lot <gasps> but on the topic of origin mismanaging money and mismanaging time, you know I've seen countless stories of <sighs> early startup businesses or smaller companies that were independent grossly mismanaging time and money I mean, look at thirty eight games and the problems they had with funding with uh with the original am no
1: thirty eight studios yeah uh that was you bad.
4: Know, you know, they used. There was a joke for the longest time that they damn near uh, bankrupted the state of Rhode Island over that.
1: Yeah, well, probably not. It was only seventy-five million, but still, that's a lo- that's a lot of money for
4: you know. <laughs> or one could also look at the early years of Origin, for example, or. Uh, for other mismanagement of time and money and resources, one could look at early wizards of the coast and them talking about mostly being a bunch of twenty-somethings smoking a lot of weed and you know doing a lot of questionable stuff with uh, with having too much money to that they knew what to do with. In the early yeah, days. Sierra was like that too, as Richard Garriott tells it.
1: Um, or was it Sierra? No, is the yeah no. Who bought oh, the first game? Who bought the first California game? Pacific? Thank you, Calpac.
4: Um, well, he said the same about Sierra. I and think he said similar sure things about Sierra, if I remember correctly. I mean, granted, this was the company that gave us Leisure Suit Larry. So, Well, yeah.
1: I, I got to think. I mean, but, I mean, okay, you know, on the subject of, of finance has gone amok. Anybody know what the uh, original pitched budget for Wing Commander 3 was?
3: Way too much.
1: 500K. <laughs> that was That was Chris Roberts' initial pitch. 500K development budget. I don't remember what Wing Commander 3's budget was. I think Wing 4 was like in the 11, 12 million range. So even if Wing 3 was half that, you know, he blew his estimate by 12 times. Because somewhere along the line, he, you know, I don't think in the initial pitch there was any mention of full motion video or anything like that. Somewhere along the line, he's just like, you know what this game needs? Real actors in real cutscenes. We're going to build all the sets, we'll do all the effects
4: just like um and getting mark hamill i don't even know right? if five hundred thousand dollars paid his retainer much less
1: probably not 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 after star wars and like that's the you know but and the, the obviously it went well, through and obviously it worked and it made a ton of money wing three sold very very well uh in no small part because of mark Hamill's star power like chris roberts took a bet there but he cashed in on it he, he did well but you know
3: I will. I will point out just as a slight countermeasure, um, there was a period post Star Wars but before when Mark Hamill was not finding a lot of work. There was that's true. He had that. There was was a time when he played a when he when he played a priest in a truly god awful movie. The only reason I remember is I remember seeing his face and I'm like, wait, why is Luke Skywalker a priest? More or less. Hmm. And he was in the Big
4: Red One, I think. I still remember him in that one Jay and Silent Bob movie.
3: But yeah, there there was a period when no, he was he was not working steadily.
1: <laughs> that's true, and you know actually that's a fair point. Is that you know a lot of the cast of Star Wars
3: didn't, didn't really go to re- on
1: to reliable work after I mean, the fact.
3: Harrison really, Ford, yeah. Harrison Ford was basically the big standout, and yeah. Alex, Alec Guinness. Well, he was
4: already a yeah, big name. That was
1: kind of the 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 the, the end of his career.
4: Uh he yeah, I think that was part of his I think he agreed that he would st- he would show up in the first movie as long as he died.
3: Uh, yes. Yeah, he did yeah, he did what 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 Harrison Ford wanted to have to happen for his character and didn't actually get to have happen until the seventh movie in the series, way later. Although, to be fair, I
1: mean like Guinness for his part was kind of notorious uh for being very down on Star Wars after the fact. I think he derisively referred to it as his pension uh, a little later on in life because I don't think he really got paid that much for his actual appearance. Uh, He was kind of you know offered a percentage whatever that was of revenues. Um, Well, in the long run, that worked out for him. (laughs) Yeah, well, and that's why I think he started calling it his pension pension. because you know yeah (laughs) you know even even a even a hundredth of a percent on on four billion dollars. a lot it's of money just, yes. <laughs> given the shoestring
4: budget that episode four was filmed on even in its time
1: hmm. yeah no and well but well and the other part that i like about that is you know like lucas went to fox and he told him he wanted like when, when they agreed to be the distributor like he told him he wanted rights to the to the merchandise and fox not laughed realized. at him Fox laughed at him because they're like, well, who the hell is going to merchandise this movie? Like, I mean, sure, if you want them, go ahead. And and, and then it turned out
3: George is planning (laughs) on merchandising this baby from day one. Yeah,
1: he he thought that one through. And I mean, like, the the merchandise alone let him bankroll
3: Empire Strikes Back. (laughs) Merchandising where the real money from the movie is made.
4: Lucas knew this. Yeah. (laughs) Well... It's kind of funny, though, back in the early days before a lot of the things were set in stone, the experimental things they did with Star Wars early on. And I don't just mean the holiday special. I was going to ask. See, that was just another
3: example of Hollywood drugs. (laughs) And most of them
4: were being taken by Carrie Fisher. At the time, yes. I mean, I, I feel bad, the, the, you know, the suffering she did with addiction, but hearing her trying to sing a Christmas song to the theme of the, the Star Wars theme while that blitzed on coke was, it's kind of like a train wreck. You don't, you can't, you don't want to stare, but you can't look away. I think my well, favorite Camel, sorry. Oh, sorry. Mark Hamill
5: so had just recently, uh, I, I believe when they filmed that, he had just recently been in his car accident. So yeah, he might've been on painkillers.
4: Yeah, I think, yeah, he also had so much makeup on. Yeah, reasonably likely, even. <laughs> mm. you know, I, that, that, after you, I'm sorry.
1: Oh, sorry. My, my favorite Carrie Fisher story is from Empire Strikes Back. I gotta find this book. It's in my basement somewhere. I gotta find this book again. It's like by a journalist who was basically embedded with the film crew. So he even got like stranded with them up on the glacier in Norway. <laughs> um, but they were filming a scene And it's it's not a scene that actually even made it into the movie. There was a scene that had been written, and they were trying to film it, where Leia slaps Lando. And um, nobody told Carrie Fisher about telegraphing the slap. (laughs) (laughs) So literally, the first take was, you know, whack! Ow! What the fuck, (laughs) Carrie? Cut, print!
4: (laughs) Yeah, right?
1: (laughs) Like you don't actually hit him, you telegraph Oh, okay. Same
4: about the holiday. You know, if it wasn't for the holiday special, we wouldn't have had Boba Fett.
1: Yeah, well there are some who would argue that we are poorer for it, but on the plus Uh, side, I do like what you know, has been done with not with Boba Fett in particularly, I don't actually really like what they've done with that character because he dies like a chump in Return of the Jedi. And then when you see him again in the prequels, well you see his dad mostly, Django Fett, but then the kid actually hate Boba Fett the kid. He's more annoying to me than Jake Lloyd.
5: Wow. I just remember that, that, he's just that, a little I remember brat, that shot you know? of him, that, that, of him, that, him he, like holding his dad's he, head he, in the helmet.
3: Admittedly he's like scowling like ninety seven percent of the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's just he's just a little punk. I don't like him at all. But so I don't like. I mean, I know everybody likes Boba Fett, but I have no idea why. Because apart from tell you Empire why. Strikes Back, there's <laughs> the character is not really cool, you know.
5: Go on. I'll tell why, you what, why. Why? 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 Kids liked him when I was a kid was the Tales from Moss Eisley book oh, because it oh, had no. this whole story where he was from this world called Concord Dawn and his whole backstory and all and how he had this like moral code, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera that's why he was cool. He was cool in the expanded universe, and I think that somehow trickled down to how like people just think he's cool, even though that story is not canon. Um,
4: uh, well, that's yeah. my theory. He had like four <laughs> well, or five lines in the original trilogy, and even before the prequels came out, he had a huge fan base. Mm-hmm.
3: You know seven, what, though? He had
4: seven lines in the original trilogy, and one of them was, ah! <laughs> Somebody's watched the A Deadpool epic rap battle. Yeah. You know, though,
1: Rothbard, you may have, you may have hit it on the head there because like, I don't care for the Boba Fett character, but I love, love, love what, and Lucas, I mean, Lucas had a hand in the Clone Wars, but this is mostly Dave Filoni, who really was Lucas's understudy, is Lucas's understudy. Um, You know, but like you think about the Clone Wars or even then Star Wars Rebels or now the mandalorian right they took you know because like you mentioned you know tales from os isley and like how it's he's from a planet called concord dawn well no he like you know like obviously that part of the expanded universe has kind of been jettisoned but at the same time you know some of those concord dawn reappears as a world in star wars rebels right it's um i didn't know that you know, the, the concept of Fett's moral code has been adapted into the Mandalorian way, right? Um, and Dave Filoni, you know, like the Mandalorians are his perennial favorite race to bring into and just mess around with in Star Wars. Um, you know, there's multiple story arcs that touch on Mandalore in the Clone Wars. It's, you know, it's... And, and I mean, if you've seen all of the Clone Wars, the closing shot of the Mandalorian season one, you know, my wife and I finally watched that and I deliberately made her watch like four episodes of the clone wars just to make sure that you know, like, just before we did that, you know, a couple nights before I made her watch like four episodes of the Mars. I'm just like, I think we should rewatch these stories.
5: That's abuse, um, Kenneth.
1: Yeah. Well, I know I mean, she's so, I mean, she loves sci-fi almost more than I do. So yeah, it was real suffering for her.
5: Uh, oh, okay. okay. Real, a real yeah. hard
1: sell there i know right but it would it was be for my it. wife but yeah it was worth it because you know then at the end of it you know right in that climactic scene right at the end we were both just like it's the thing it's the thing with the yeah he's got that it was great it was you know just yeah um but you know so so yeah, maybe, maybe you have hit it on the nose there maybe it is actually that you know that was that book and you know some of the, the the mythos that it wrote around boba fett is why he was cool And now we have, you know, the showrunners for Star Wars today taking that material and not using it exactly as it is, but adapting it in such a way that it's not really making Boba Fett more cool, although apparently they may be teasing his return in season two of The Mandalorian. We'll see. Um, But they've definitely taken the Mandalorian concept and just expanded it and made something really
5: awesome out of it.
4: This is the way.
5: This is the way.
4: I know they've mentioned that they're going to be bringing in Ahsoka Tano from Clone Wars. In this season. Hell
5: yeah, they are.
1: And they're that going to have
4: is... Rosario a... Dawson doing it, if I do remember correctly. Yep. That and is that, true. Now, to me, that sounds interesting.
1: And she wanted that role. She wanted that role, like, uh,
4: <laughs>
1: she was like, <clears throat> I, I, I can't remember the exact thing, but like, basically, she was like, you know, right up, <laughs> right up to Filoni or somebody who's like, I really want to play this character. Um, and I mean, to be fair, Tano is the awesomest Jedi going. I guess she's not a Jedi anymore though. But you know,
4: consider how they got around the rule of two with the Sith by having all these Dark Jedi inquisitors that aren't technically Sith.
3: Well, you see, there's the thing. You've got your Force users, and then you've got your your Jedi and your Sith. And then you've got things like the Night Sisters, who aren't actually Sith; they're just another bunch of Force users who tend to tend to, stray, tend to stray towards the dark side. Yeah,
1: well, and I mean, like it was always kind of implicit, anyways. It's like the Sith was kind of you know this very formalized order, but you can't have <clears throat> you can't have galaxy-spanning wars between you know an entire armada of Jedi and two guys. <laughs> that doesn't work. So, however. You know, however, it does work where you have a Sith order somehow engaged in a galaxy-spanning war with Jedi. There has to be some other, you know, maybe the Sith are this little cabal at the very top of the organizational pyramid, but then underneath them, they would have to have, you know, all kinds of force-wielding um, foot soldiers. There's There's not much war if uh, if nobody else is there to fight it, you know. Quite. Yeah, they you
4: need just somebody to pull up to an apprentice when you're when you Darth whoever the crap gets cacked. Yeah, yeah. No, they uh, just uh, also,
5: they just will star destroyers up from planets. That's what they do.
3: I'll well, just, uh, oh, come just to on, point yeah. out something that's actually you can actually see evidence of. Yeah, one master, one apprentice. That's not so much a... Uh, that's like, okay, here are the... That's like official, because usually the Apprentice had some protege of their own that they were grooming for when they eventually would cack off their own master and become the master. And that that, 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 that force user existed. They just weren't. And if they became known about, yeah, the, 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 the current master might probably do something to cause them to either
4: turn on the current apprentice or just kill them themselves just take a look at force unleashed in galen circular
0: if you want to join the ultimate dragons you can do so at udic.org where at you can choose your very own dragon name you can also find the ultimate dragons on facebook we have a facebook group there and you can follow at ultimate dragons on twitter or join them on discord And if you're feeling really old school, you can even fire up a Telnet client and check out the Wearmount. Hit up the show notes for links to all of these. If you want to participate more directly in the podcast, you can send us an email. Or if you're feeling a little bit braver, leave us a voice message in one of three places, the podcast website, our Facebook page, or on anchor.fm. And you're also welcome to join us on our Discord server to chat with us, to lurk, or even contribute to podcast recordings when they happen. And again, links in the show notes. If you'd like to support Spam, Spam, Spam Humbug, you can do so at patreon.com slash Ultima Codex, where for as little as a dollar a month, you can get access to episodes the day before they go live to the general public. You'll also get access to behind-the-scenes audio when we have some to share, and possibly other interesting content. But we also welcome your moral support. You can like the Ultima series on Facebook, follow at Ultima Codex on Twitter, or leave the podcast a review on iTunes. And you're also welcome to share our episodes with your friends and social media circles. Spam 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 humbug is a production of the Ultima Codex. You can find show notes online at spam spam spamhumbug.com. Thank you for listening, and until next time, be virtuous.